Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships, so we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Let me just invite you into the third week of this series entitled, When God Is. And we've been looking at this idea of when God is certain things. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at when God is silent. And how do we respond to that? And then last week, if you were here, we talked about when God is unfair. And uh, these are some tough, tough subjects, but it's reality. It's what we deal with with uh, our walk with Christ. Today, I have this great opportunity of sharing with you when God is late, which uh, is, is a tough one because we want him to arrive on time in our time frame, and it doesn't happen. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but God doesn't work on our time on our timeline. And so what do you do? I mean, how do you respond to that? So if you have your Bibles or if you have the app, go ahead and head over to John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44 is what we're going to cover today. And uh, as, we, as we head out uh, into John chapter 11 today, let me just remind you of what you're seeing up here at the bottom of the screen. Uh, we have an Ask Anything, uh, which you can text questions to. Make sure you're doing that through the message. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Those guys coming up and down the aisle will hand you one. It is our gift to you. Head over to John chapter 11 with us this morning. Uh, I, I definitely would like to get some questions this morning because I know this is a tough subject for a lot of us because uh, we hate waiting, don't we? Don't you hate waiting? Does anyone like waiting in line? Anyone? Nobody? Uh, how about at the airport? How about traffic? That's one of the reasons why we move out here, right? We try to get out of it, and then when you have to go back into town, you're like, ah, man, stinking traffic, right? You guys get upset when you pull up here to the, the stop sign at 36 in Maine, and there's two cars in line. I know you hate traffic, because I hear it. We should put a light there, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Uh, that is not a problem at all, but we hate waiting. Do you know why we hate waiting? Because we feel like waiting is a waste of time. It's a waste of our time, so we just absolutely hate it. Uh, have you ever had a season when God was late? When you've been praying for something, you were trusting him for something, and he wasn't showing up for some reason, and you were struggling with that? Like, what do you, what do, you do with that? How do you respond to that? You're praying, you're believing, you're trying to trust, but yet in that moment, um, he's just not showing up. And I don't know if it's finances, maybe it's some kind of money problem that you're having, or maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a relational issue that you're running into and you're just waiting for God to move in that and he's not moving and, and you don't understand why. And see, as I think through our congregation, and I know a lot of you, you're dealing with a lot of stuff right now. I know that there are people in here who are, who are in that season of waiting right now. I know we've got a lot of people in here who have been trying to conceive and it hasn't happened. And you can't figure out why God isn't showing up. Some of you, I know, we've got both men and women in here who would desire nothing more than to get married. You don't understand why God's not answering that prayer. Some of you, you're waiting on a prodigal kid. You've got a son or a daughter that's run off, and you've been praying for them for a long time, and you don't understand why God hasn't brought them back. Some of you are in need of a job, and some of you are going through health issues, and you've been praying, but God hasn't shown up in that. 
And you find yourself in this place where you start asking, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Even to the place where you might even start questioning whether, even, whether he knows about it or not. Now, I want to give you a foundational statement that we're going to build this entire message on. And that foundational statement is, with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. It's never a wasted season. Even though we might feel like it and we hate waiting, I want you to know that God is moving in this waiting. We're going to dive into that a little bit when we get to John chapter 11. But I want you to know that all through this message, what you're going to hear is that a waiting season is never a wasted season, especially when it comes to the things of God, the things that God is doing in our lives. Now, um, as we get to John chapter 11, you're going to see a story about Jesus and uh, actually three main characters. Uh, we have two sisters, Mary and Martha, and we have their brother, Lazarus. And if, you, if you've been in church for a while, you might know these characters. Uh, Mary and Martha are talked about in another story where Jesus goes to their house. He knows the family very well, like Jesus is good friends with them. Uh, they're like in the same life group. They get together quite often. And, and Jesus is there, and, and uh, Martha is one of the sisters. She's the busybody. She's always got to be prepare, pre- uh, preparing. She's gotta, always got to be doing something, always got to be serving. And so she's running around like a chicken with her head cut off. And Mary is that, that uh, life just is awesome. It'll happen when it happens. You know, that's Mary. And these two sisters, they struggle because of that. And, and uh, we see this scene earlier in Scripture where Martha uh, is actually working in the kitchen. Jesus is uh, apparently in the living area, and he's teaching. And Mary is just in there sitting and doing nothing and listening to Jesus. And so Martha goes in, and she's upset. And she's like, Jesus, tell Mary to get up off her duff and come give me a hand, right? And, and this is the scene that happens. This is the same family. And they have a brother by the name of Lazarus, and apparently it's one of Jesus' best friends. And you're going to see that right here in verse 1. Take a look at this, John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And I love the fact that they don't even give his name. Like, they don't have to. Just the one that you love is sick. Lazarus is sick. And, and for you or me, it would be like this. If I went over to you and I said, hey, your best friend in the whole world is sick, you would know exactly who I was talking about. You'd be like, oh, yeah, don't even have to say the name. This is what happened. Jesus, the, lo- the one that you love is sick. But in this moment, I don't think, at least in verses 1 through 3 here, uh, we see any concern. Like, it's just, hey, he's sick. It's, he's sick enough that we need to call out for Jesus. But you know what? Jesus is here. He's in, he's in our house all the time. Every Thursday night, we have dinner together. He's here, and he knows. And once he knows that Lazarus is sick, it's going to be taken care of. It's not going to be a problem. And I don't think they're worried at this point. They're just like, hey, he'll come. He'll be here. We believe. We trust in him. It'll happen. And some of you, you know what that's like. Early stages. Yeah, Jesus is going to come. He'll take care of it. It's, it's in God's hands. I trust him with this situation in my life. But then we get to verse 4. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Keep that in mind for later on. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, this is why uh, it's going to happen. We're told up front, and I'm going to point it out to you later in Scripture as well. He mentions it twice, but he says, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, you and I, we have a couple thousand years removed. We get to read the story and and. It's just a story to us, but Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they're living this story. 
And I want you to tie this to whatever it is that you're going through in your own life. Because in this moment, you and I know what's going to happen in the story. They don't. Mary and Martha have no clue what's about to happen. And when we don't know, sometimes we can get rattled. Like Jesus, um, hey, the one you love is sick. Why don't you come take care of it? And he's like, I'm not worried about it. Well, um, I am. Jesus, uh, can you come take care of this in my life? Like, I need you right now. Like, this is kind of serious to me. Um, don't you remember? Like, I, I devoted my life to you, and, and uh, we, we kind of, uh, we've kind of been walking together for a while. And, and it, as time goes on, you know what happens? We start bribing God, don't we? Like, um, haven't you seen me serving at the church, Lord? Like, and yet you're late. I need you to work, God. Hey, it, my, my radio station, my car is always tuned to K-Love. Like, I listen to Christian music. You know that, right? Jesus, didn't you see me give money to that homeless person? I, I did that. Remember? Okay, well, I'm doing all these good things, Lord. I, I need you to move. And, and Lord, I, I actually serve in MVF Kids. I serve with those little kids back there and, and change diapers. And, and God, please, I just need you to move. And, and we find ourselves almost in a place where we're bribing God, but God's not moved by bribes either. Now, I know many of us are in a waiting season, and so I want to give you two things to remember as you wait on God. And the first one is this, that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. His delays are not necessarily his denials. And you need to know that, because so often when God doesn't respond right away or he seems late, we start to think that the answer is no, and that's not, that's not a no. And I think that many delays are actually divine delays. Like he's doing something in that. But we think it has to happen now. And, and I want you to know that God has a reason for his not yet. Because he's in the middle of doing something. And, and so often when we're in a hurry, we miss it. Like we're so frantic about whatever it is that's going on in our lives, we miss what God is doing. And I want you to know that sometimes God often wants to do something in you before he does something for you. Why? Because he cares more about who you're becoming than who you are. He wants to know what you're going to be tomorrow and the day after. He wants to grow you up in that. You never arrive. It's not like you can say, hey, look at me, God. You need to answer my prayer. He's like, mm, look at this next step I want you to take because you're not there yet. I want to keep forming and molding you into somebody that looks more and more and more like me. Can I say just because you don't see God doing anything doesn't mean he's not working. Remember week one when we talked about when God is silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent, he's still working. Same thing applies here. I want you to remember that with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Jesus delays in this story, and, and he doesn't go to them right away. And you know what happens? Um, Lazarus miraculously recovers. No, that's not what happens. He dies. Like, hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Come and heal him. And, and you know what Jesus is doing in this time? He's healing strangers. He's healing everybody else but the one that he loves. And so Mary and Martha have got to be confused over this. Like, why wouldn't you come? And they lose their brother and he dies. And they go through the process of wrapping him up in, in these burial clothes and, and burying him and rolling a stone. It's final, like it's over. And then Jesus says to his disciples, hey, uh, let's go to Bethany because Lazarus has fallen asleep. Remember he said earlier he's not going to die? But yet what did the disciples do with that when they heard um, Lazarus is dead? 
And then Jesus goes, okay, now it's time to go back. Now, like we could have gone earlier, you could have saved him. Now, now it's a little bit too late, Jesus. But yet they go back. Take a look at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? How many days? Say it loud. Four. That's significant. I want you to know why. Uh, because I was digging through this and doing some research on this, and I found that, that many scholars believe that this, this meant something to the people that were there. Like, like in ancient times, there was this superstition that when somebody died, you had three days. Because three days, they believed that the spirit was somewhat hovering around the body. But after four days, it would leave. Remember uh, Princess Bride with Wesley? You remember that? Like, he's not, he's not all dead. He's just mostly dead. That thing? Okay, so in this story, if you liken it to that, he's mostly dead for three days. But when they get there, when Jesus finally shows up on the scene, when he's late, Lazarus is dead, dead. And I think Jesus does this on purpose. I think he's already told us once. He's getting ready to tell us again. But take a look at verse 20. See, God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. But when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Oh, yeah, you bet she did, right? She's the busybody. She's the one that has something to say. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I can almost imagine her marching out to Jesus. Like, we sent word to you. Did you not get the email? Like, we told you what was going on, and now you're going to show up? If you, had, if you had been here, we wouldn't be hurting like this. Jesus, if you were here, he would still be here. But I love the reality of the statement because this is what she follows it up with. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Isn't that us many times? I mean, we're hurt, like we're struggling with it. I, I just don't get it. And I love the tension in this whole thing. God, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But yet I know, I, I know who you are. I still trust you. I still believe. She's, she's mad, but she still trusts. She's struggling with the whole situation, but she still believes. I love that because I think so often that's the way you and I are. Some of you, you're waiting right now. You are. You, you're in this waiting season, and you don't think that God's going to show up. Like You feel like it's been four days. It's, the things have, have crested over the top, and they're going downhill now, and there's no way to recover it, whether it's a business that's not growing, and you're looking at, at bankruptcy, or, or maybe it's a relationship that's so far gone, and you just can't see it be re restored, or, or maybe it's your health. It's not improving. You went in, the doctor gave you a different report than what you'd been praying for, and now you're really struggling and going, God, why are you so late? You don't understand, but yet you're still believing. You're still trusting. Now, you know why God seems to be late so often? I, I think God seems to be late so often is because we put a timeline on him. We put expectations on God. We think that he needs to work in the way that we tell him to work and when we tell him to work. That's why God seems late. Let me just be honest with you. Uh, the title today's message is kind of deceiving because God is never late. We think he is. It seems like it, but he's never late. And if we're honest, we're, our, our prayer should really go like this. God, you're not meeting my expectations. I've trusted in you. I love you. I serve you. But yet you're not doing what I want you to do. That's really the prayer. 
And so the second thing that I want you to remember as you're in your waiting season is this. If God always met your expectations, he'd never had the opportunity to exceed them. Can I just say this? Whatever you're going through, God's plan's better. Whatever you think the answer is, he has a better one. Whatever desired result you have, his result's gonna be much better. I love this passage because verses one through 22, we got 44 verses for this entire story. The first half, one through 22, no hope. No hope at all. But then we turn a corner at verse 23. This is what Jesus says. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Hope. All of a sudden, four days, it's, it can't be recovered. It's done. Dead, dead. And God goes, he's going to rise again. It's all good. Because I've got it. I can handle this. But even in this moment, Martha misses it. Take a look at what she says. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day, right? This, this is her answer. Uh, yeah, I get it, but, but here's what Jesus says. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Listen to her response. Yes, Lord. She told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. We do this exact same thing. God, I'm giving you this situation. I can't even see how you could redeem it. It's horrible. I, I don't, there's just no way to, to rescue this. You can't breathe life back into this. But then in that moment, we find ourselves reminded of who God is. Okay, God, I do believe that you are who you say you are. I do believe you are the Messiah. I do believe that you are the Son of God. I do believe that you can do this, even though I can't believe it. I just don't know if you can do it. I don't know if you can read it. But Lord, I believe. This is what we do, and I love this tension because this is exactly us in life. And what's interesting to me is God, through Jesus, knew what he was gonna do in this situation. Mary and Martha had no clue. They were just looking at the, the situation right in front of them, and they wanted a healing, and Jesus wanted Something much better, a resurrection. Like if I had showed up earlier and just healed him, it would have been a healing, but I'm gonna bring him back from the dead. And he starts to say, look, I am the resurrection. I'm the life. The one who believes in me will never die. And, and he's trying to drive this point home to her. Look, I want you, no matter what happens in life after this, I want you to remember this moment, that I can handle it. That a waiting season is never a wasted season. That I am big enough, I can handle whatever you're going through, and I want you to trust me in that. Don't forget this. Some of you are in a waiting season right now. You've been praying for a miracle. You've been, you've been looking at your situation like it, there's no way that God can redeem it. And I want you to know that God has a better plan for you. He has not forgotten you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what the doctor says. He knows where your kids are at. He knows what your addiction is doing to you. And he says, trust in me. I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you will never die. I've got a better plan for you. Some of you think you know what you want. But I want you to know God has a better plan. Now, as we keep reading this passage, it says, then she Returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. 
When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think it's interesting that both sisters said the exact same thing. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse in all of Scripture says, then Jesus wept. Now let me stop for a minute and address a couple of things, because in the NLT, what we're reading today, it says that he was angry. And so often when we read stuff like that, we tie it to our own ungodly anger. Many of your translations, when you read this, it'll say that he's very sad in heart or he was moved deeply within his spirit or the one I liked, he groaned in his spirit. Another part of this says that he wept. Now, you might look at this as negative, and I want to tell you, I I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages when I'm going through stuff in my own life, and I'll tell you why. Because this tells me that I have a God who relates to me that knows what I'm going through. Even in my worst moments in life, he knows what I'm going through and he can relate. Now he stands in front of the grave and it says that he weeps and I I love this scene and if you'll let me just, just play in this scene just for a minute, okay? It gives me great hope because Jesus stepped out of heaven and put on flesh and walked with us and he stands in front of this scene of of people wailing and mourning and, and somebody who's dead who's been placed in the tomb for four days and he just takes the whole scene in and he weeps and I don't know why he's weeping I don't know if he's weeping because the one he's loved that he loves is dead I don't think so because he's about to bring him back to life I think it's more I think it's more just taking in the pain of the situation. And I think even for Jesus, it was a bigger picture. I think some of his weeping had to do with just mourning God's original plan for man. Like God created man in his own image for a perfect relationship and sin broke that relationship and with that came death and this was never God's original plan. God, God, through Jesus, is weeping and going, I never wanted this for you. This scene was never supposed to happen. This is all because of sin. I had a better plan, but you chose to go a different route. I love this scene because it tells me that we have a God who knows what we're going through, regardless of what you're going through. He walks with you in that. And he can relate to you in that. Wrapping up this section, it says, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, it has been, it has been, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Now, if you go back and read this in the King James Version, it's awesome. Because the translation actually says, he stinketh. That's what it says. He stinketh, which I'm like, that's awesome. That's, that's a great biblical way of putting that. Uh, I, and I, there's so many things that we can say on this, you know. Um, without Jesus, you're dead. Without Jesus, you stink, right? And I want to put, like, he stinketh on my office wall, just as a reminder that without him, I stink. 
Without him, I can't do anything. She says, it's four days. Like, what are you going to do? You roll that tomb away, he's going to stink. And she's still not seeing it. He just told her, your brother will rise again. And she's missing the whole thing. And then he says this. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But here's the reason. This is why he was late. This is why he delayed. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Remember, God often wants to do something in you before he does something for you. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in the grave cloths and his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, an amazing story, amazing scene of two sisters and a brother who thought God was late, who thought Jesus was delaying. But yet, see, God's delays are not necessarily his denials. It's because he's doing something in that moment. See, a waiting season with God is never a wasted season. God may be doing something in you before he does something for you. Never miss that. Just because you're not married doesn't mean that he doesn't have somebody that he's preparing for you. Just because you don't have a job doesn't mean that he has a better one. Doesn't mean that he doesn't have a better one for you right around the corner. Just because you can't conceive doesn't mean that you won't or that he won't open the doors for adoption for you. Can I just say this? Whatever it is that you're going through, the scene of your greatest disappointment may be the setting of your greatest miracle. God is moving and working in that. I love the fact that verses 1 through 22, no hope. 23 to 44, hope. That's what it's all about. When I was a kid growing up, uh, the church that we were involved in used to do a father-son camp out. And uh, my brother and I, my brother's about a year apart from me, and we loved camping, fishing, hunting, all that stuff. And so any chance to go out camping, fishing, whatever with my dad was a big, big deal. And I remember when I was eight, nine years old, and uh, the father-son camp out rolled around. And we were so excited. We'd been on several. We were ready for this one, all geared up, couldn't wait to get on this trip. And so my mom, um, my mom and dad arranged that we were going to take off early. Like, we were so excited. We're going to leave early for this camping trip. So Friday rolled around, and my dad said, look, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to try to get off early. We'll try to leave by 2 p.m. And my brother and I were like, yes, this is awesome. We're going to be the first ones at the campsite. We'll, we'll catch 20 fish before any of the other kids show up, right? We'll be, and we've got all these plans. And my mom went, she took us out of school early, brought us home, and we had a station wagon. I don't know if you guys know what station wagons are. We had a station wagon, uh, it looked like this. Um, it, was, it was awesome, man. And uh, we packed that thing. My brother and I, without my dad even being home, we packed all the hunting gear, all the fishing poles, the tackle boxes, the tent. We packed that thing full, ready to go camping. We dropped this back tailgate, and we sat on that tailgate and waited for my dad. We're ready to go. Two o'clock rolled around, he didn't show up. Three o'clock rolled around, he didn't show up. Four o'clock rolled around, he still hadn't showed up. My brother and I are still sitting on this thing, it's all packed, ready to go. Couldn't find, figure out why my dad wasn't there yet. About 4.30 to five o'clock, my mom finally felt sorry for us and she brought us out sandwiches to eat. We're sitting in the back of this thing eating 
And 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, by then, we've got the tailgate down. My brother and I are laying in the back of that thing. We're looking up, and we've watched the sun go down, the stars come out, and we're looking at the stars going, why isn't Dad here? I don't get it. We're so frustrated. Why hasn't he shown up? Waiting, no hope. Believing and trusting, he's going to finally show up, but he hasn't done it. Here we are at 7 o'clock, and finally, my dad shows up. Now, years later, I would find out that he was on a job site that turned into a beast, and he had decisions to make. Well, I could go ahead and leave and leave early, but then I'd have to come back tomorrow and finish the job, or I can stay and finish it, which is what he chose to do, and was late coming home, but here's, here's the great thing. We got to stay the entire weekend and enjoy that entire weekend with my dad. We didn't have to come back the next day. But see, we didn't realize that. We, we just thought he was delaying. We didn't understand why he was late. Like, why wouldn't he be here? Some of you are in verses 1 through 22 right now. Some of you are laying in the back of that stupid station wagon eating a baked tuna fish sandwich. And you don't understand why God's delaying. You, you can't imagine why your heavenly father hasn't shown up yet in your situation. Can I just tell you, if you're in that mode... 7 p.m. is coming. It's coming. God's going to arrive, and when he does, it's going to be amazing. And he's not going to arrive to meet your expectations, but to exceed them, to bring glory to God's name. Your heavenly Father is going to show up, and when he does, it may not mean that you're going to get everything that you want, but it will mean that he has a better plan for you, and God will be glorified in it. Remember that with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Don't miss what he's doing in that. Now, I want to pray for those of you that are in that season. If you're in verses 1 through 22, if, you, if you're waiting and you don't understand what God is doing, he seems late in your situation, if you're stuck laying in the back of that stupid station wagon, would you stand? Would you stand up? I don't care what it is. It could be It could be illness. It could be finances. It could be a relationship. Whatever it is for you. If you're in that waiting season and you're, you just don't understand why God is delaying, I want you to stand. And I just want to pray for all of us right now. Would you bow your heads and join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and I lift up especially these who are standing, who have acknowledged that, Lord, um, it seems like you're late. And I don't know what the situation is in their life, Lord. I know what it is in mine. Lord, I just ask that in this moment that you would meet them right where they're at. Let them know that you are doing something in them. That this is a a constant work of just drawing us closer to you, bringing us to a place where we look more and more like you. But Lord, let them know that you're right with them. That you understand what they're going through. And God, we're praying for miracles. I know some of these situations are difficult. It's the fourth day. It's past recovery. Situation's dead. But God, we stand here acknowledging who you are, that we trust in you, that we believe that you are the resurrection and the life. Lord, we give these things to you. We ask that in this this moment that you would arrive in your time and do what only you can do. 
And Lord, in all these things, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And all of God's people said, Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless. Thank you.